Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Just a couple of day series anyways called F-Bomb. <laughs> uh, we, somebody said that they saw that out in the hallway said, we're doing a series called F-Bomb. Well, you'll soon find out what we're talking about. So hopefully uh, uh, nobody left or, or, or were offended by, by seeing that. But obviously it's just a play on words and you'll soon enough find out what that's all about. Uh, but, you know, got great creative people in, in, our, in our church that puts those things together. It's awesome. Amen. Well, like I said, my wife, she had shared a, a very powerful message last week and just really shared some key points. And uh, I purpose to listen to the message that she uh, gave just simply because so many people were telling me, man, that was such a good message. It spoke right to my heart. And she made some strong statements. One being, she said that it's important for you to take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive. And if we don't take our thoughts captive, our thoughts will captivate us. That's really true, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how your thought life can run away with you? Your thought life can take you in places that you never thought you would ever be thinking about or just even where you end up in life, things that you decided to do, places you end up finding yourself in is really a result of the thought life that you allowed yourself to ponder on. She also said this. She said, it just takes one disappointment to take you captive. What does that mean? It means that, you know, all of us are looking forward to certain things in our life, and there are things that we are believing for, trusting God for, things that we have our hopes uh, centered around, and then there are things that can just go wrong, things that happen that disappoint us. And obviously, life is full of disappointments, but she said this. She said, there can be that one disappointment that takes you captive. You know what that means? Have you ever been in that place where, man, it just, it shook you to your core. It just rocked you. It just set you back on your heels because of the disappointment. You didn't see it coming, but, man, it snuck up on you, and, man, it really affected your life. How many of you know that we're not, we're not by ourselves when we go through those things, are we? Everybody goes through those things, but the question is, is what are we going to do when we face the circumstances? What are we going to do when we face the disappointments? What are we going to do when the bottom falls out? You can either let it move you or you can choose to move it. You can allow yourself to just stay stagnant and stay still, or you can choose to keep on keeping on and live life, right? Let me give you a couple uh, examples of some people that you might be familiar with. Uh, you know who Walt Disney is, don't you? Walt Disney was fired from Kansas City Star because the editor said that he lacked imagination and he had no good ideas. I mean, think of, he was fired, man. Walt Disney. Oprah Winfrey. She was publicly fired in her first television job as an anchor in Baltimore because she was too emotionally invested in her stories. Wow. And look at her now. Steven Spielberg, he was rejected by the University of Southern Carolina, the School of Cinematic Arts, multiple times. Anybody know who Steven Spielberg is? He's only made a couple small movies, right? 
What about Colonel Sanders? Anybody eat any fried chicken before? We have him here in the cell booth. Hey, Colonel. Hey, hey. <laughs> Colonel Sanders. He w- <laughs> That's Daryl back there. And my, my girls, they've always said, he looks like the guy at the chicken place. And, and, and we actually, we went to lunch with them the other day. And, and my girl says, are you taking them to Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> Kentucky, or excuse me, Colonel Sanders, he was fired from dozens of jobs before he founded his fried chicken empire. And the last one, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison has convenienced our lives in so many ways. But when he was young, his teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything. Isn't it interesting how life can rattle your cage? Certain disappointments can happen, and it just begins to weigh you down. And my wife said last week, she said, there were some things going on with her that just really rattled her and started messing with her. And when I listened to it, she said, I told my husband and said, you know, I'm just having a hard time. She goes, I'm just hating the world right now, and I'm just hating you right now. That really wasn't all that true. I, I just knew that she was hating the world and hating me, and I'm like, what did I do? And I'm trying to figure it out, and she's not really expounding on anything. In fact, she's frustrated, and I'm starting to get frustrated that she's frustrated, and then we're both kind of you know, going at it, you know what I mean? You ever been there? But here's the thing. She said, and she only told me after the service as to what really was shaking her. She didn't share it with you guys, but I think it's important for you to know that we're just human like you guys, and we got choices to make based upon the disappointments of what you do. Do you stay still? Do you let it move you backwards? Or do you let yourself trust God to move forward? Well, obviously, in the last few weeks, there's a lot of things that have transpired in our church. We sold the old building. And in the selling of the old building, there was a, an agree, a, a purchase agreement for a, a, a sale price. In that sale price, we, we, we knew that there was X amount of dollars that was going to be able to be put towards this building. When the appraisal came back, it was nearly $35,000 short of what we were expecting. So... When you have this expectation, you start to live in the realm of that expectation, right? Well, we're going to have this much money. We can put this money toward the building. We're going to be further ahead. You start to think and live and expect out of that thinking. But then a disappointment came, and it knocks your feet out. And what ends up happening? You start to question God, what's going on? I was looking to be ahead. Now it feels like we're behind, right? God, I was thinking that by this time, all this effort, all this work, all this sweat equity, everything that we, we put our life into that, and God, we walked away with having next to nothing? It has the opportunity to shake you, right? And it's in that moment that the F-bomb shows up. What's the F-bomb? Fear. 
Because it's in that moment when life doesn't work out like you think it should or what you were expecting. Now, all of a sudden, you're standing there saying, God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to figure it out? God, we thought we were going to be here, but we found out that we're here. And all of a sudden, you start trying to figure it out as to what we need to do. And therefore, because of the disappointment, the shortfall, or whatever it is in our lives, fear starts to creep in. Right? And what's the result of fear? You start to be rocked back on your heels and you start to think, well, God, how am I going to do that? And in that moment, what we've done is we've taken it out of the hands of God and we started saying, God, how do I fix this? Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every one of us have experienced those F-bombs. Out of the blue, you didn't see it coming. You didn't know where it was, where it was coming from. Everything was looking good. It was a sunshiny day. And all of a sudden, here it came. And now, I'm left with the rubble. But the thing about it is, it's, it's almost like chemical warfare. Because when the bomb hits, you see the destruction, you see the pieces, you're looking at all the things that happen as a result of what just happened. But then it's like this chemical warfare that starts to work. The smoke is cleared, the dust is settled, but there's something that just is still eating at you. It's still consuming you. And it just seems like I can't get away from this, this aching gnawing feeling. Come on. Every single one of us have experienced that at some place in our life. We say to ourselves, what are we going to do? Maybe it's somebody that's been in a relationship. They've been in a relationship for a long time. Maybe they've been in a marriage for a long time and the marriage or the relationship has ended and we ask the question, what am I going to do? The job that I've had for the last 25 years and five more years I'm looking to retirement but the, the business that I work for just closed their doors and I am left now without a pension. I'm left now without anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. My child got sick. They were only six years old. They had their whole life in front of them. The doctors couldn't figure it out and then my child died. How am I going to continue living without my child? I mean, I I love my child. How can those things happen? It's in those moments that we can't let fear define who we are. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, verse 18 through 20. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Did you see that the Bible says that with fear comes torment? What does that mean? That means that fear isn't just one of those things that shows up and goes, boo, and you're like, whoo, that scared me. No, fear is that thing that lingers, that hangs around. 
The Bible speaks of it over in Psalms. It talks about the terror by night. Have you ever noticed that it seems like that's when you get most fearful is when it's dark? Why? Because fear likes dark places. Fear never likes to be exposed by the light. Fear continues to try to torment and gnaw at you. And it's in that moment that we have to make a decision. Because whatever happens, whatever calamity, whatever disappointment in life, time is going to still keep on moving. Life is still going to keep on going. The question is, is in time and in that life, am I going to choose to live? Amen? Am I going to choose to live in this circumstance in this trial, because listen, you, you can breathe air, you can exist, and you can do it till the day that you die, but be tormented by the disappointment and the fear, and we allow it to define us rather than making the choice to live life. How do I do that? Well, God's faithful. God is faithful. And the thing about it is, is that what we're going through, the thing that happened, the disappointment that rocked us, it didn't surprise God. It may have surprised us, but it didn't surprise Him. In the midst of that thing that I said just kind of shook us, and where my wife said, it just really shook me. The reason it shook her, one of the things that she said is, like, God, you said payday was coming, and this don't look like payday yet. And God said to her, said, well, whoever said that was going to be, that, that, that was payday. I'm still God, and payday's still coming. Amen. So what do you got to do? You have to trust God. Because that whole circumstance, it didn't move God. It didn't surprise God. It didn't shake him. He didn't look over to Jesus and say, well, man, I didn't expect that one coming. I, I thought for sure that thing would have appraised what they said it was going to appraise for. Right? So what do you got to do? You can't let the disappointment define you or take you captive because of the fear of what if and what now. It's just a matter of saying, God, you've been faithful then. You'll be faithful now. God, you are good. God, I trust you. God, you will see us through. And God, you will make a way. How many of you know that we face obstacles in our lives there are times that we come up against a brick wall once again that brick wall did not surprise God but but in the midst of the brick wall God has got a way through a way over or a way around it's just a matter of following his direction and leading to get us to the other side there was a woman that we know her name is Cheryl Salem she was Miss America what was it what year was that 1981, Miss America. She actually uh, uh, was Kelly's sister's pageant coach. Her sister was in pageantries for years, and so Miss America was her sister's coach. She's a dynamic minister. Her and her husband, they're just such, such an awesome couple, powerfully used by God. But a few years ago, her youngest daughter got sick. I'm talking about disappointments that come that can have a way of shaking you, causing fear to explode in your life that could ultimately leave you paralyzed and just staying still and stagnant in your life for the rest of your life. 
But she ended up, the little girl got a tumor. And she's a firm believer that Jesus is the healer. And they were praying and they were believing. They were trusting God. But her daughter was not getting any better. And so she said her daughter was laying in the bed. And she's praying to God and she says, God, I I don't want to continue to hold my daughter here while she's suffering just because I want her here. And so, God, I'm going to choose to let her go. And so as she's sitting there by her daughter's bedside, she said, in that moment, she said, an angel came walking into the room. And she said, when she saw the angel, she said, not yet, not yet. So she's talking to her daughter just a little bit more. And she said she looks to her daughter and she said all of a sudden her daughter starts making kissy faces. As though she's kissing. And she said it it seemed to my heart as though she was actually seeing the face of Jesus and she was kissing Jesus. And she said, I've told that story I don't know how many times it gets me every time. But she finally said, okay, you can take her. And her daughter went home. And she said, I struggle with it for the longest time. She says, God, I don't understand. She says, you're going to have to answer the question why. And God told her, he said, sometimes there's secret things that belong to me. And on this side of eternity, you'll not know. But you'll just have to trust me. She didn't like the answer, but she just chose to accept what the Lord had told her. In the midst of that situation, just shortly after that, she was diagnosed with a tumor in herself, almost dying. But in the midst of talking to the Lord, the Lord said to her, says, it's not your time. There's still lots for you to do. It's not time for you to come home. And she said, well, then I'll stay on one, on one occasion or one, one condition, Lord. That's that you would restore my family. And she said, the Lord said to her, done. And she says, all it was was one word from God, Done. And she said, I hung on to that word. God restored my body, restored my family. And they are doing tremendous in ministry, touching this countless lives. But here she is, a person that says, God, I have faced a disappointment in my life. And she could have been stuck right there, but chose to trust God and say, God, we're going to move beyond this. That's not going to define me. I'm going to continue to still trust you. And to this day, she is touching countless lives her and her husband. And she chooses to say, God, I don't always know the answers, but I'm going to choose to trust you. There's disappointments that can allow our lives to be scared, allow fear to enter in. And that fear can become tormenting. In addition to this life, the Bible says that we all go through things Don't think it's strange. Don't think that you're exempt. Everything that anybody has ever faced is common to man. That's just the world that we're living in. But in regards to these things, we oftentimes can look at our surroundings and say, God, it's a scary world. Things are really falling falling apart and going to hell in a handbasket. In fact, you'll hear people at times saying, I don't want to have children because if I have children, I'm going to raise them in this crazy world that I live in. But you realize that really that statement alone is driven by fear. 
And really, it's selfish for us to say, I'm not going to give God any more kids because I'm afraid of the world that I live in. But the Bible says that God will always make a way of escape. Amen? There are so many things that we do in this life. And you've got to stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? Now, again, hear me, hear me right. I'm not criticizing or making any kind of judgment call on this. But in the culture that we live in, there are so many parents that are saying, I think I'm going to homeschool my kids. You've got to ask yourself the question, are you doing it in faith? Or are you doing that in fear? Right? What's moving you? What's defining you? What's defining your life? Is it the F-bombs that are going off, fear that is trying to torment and causing you to be moved by fear, or do we purpose to choose and live by faith and trusting God in the midst of our circumstances? Amen? Because obviously we can look around and say, man, the community that we live in, it's tough. The water that we consume is poisonous. The school systems are just horrible. We have concerns about our children. We have concerns about our grandchildren. I realize that we live in a world that is progressively getting darker. But what does God say about it? In Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 27, it says this. And there will be signs in the, signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars... And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The seas and the waves roaring. Notice verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will be, uh, then we will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. The Bible says that the days are drawing to a close. The end is near. Jesus is coming. And the Bible says that in those days, the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. And what is the fear from? The expectation of the bad things that are happening on the earth. But here's the flip side. That's the unchurched. That's the unbeliever that is looking at the things and saying, Oh my God, it's going to hell in a handbasket. What do we do? As for the believer, the believer says, This is a sign, a signal. Jesus is coming soon. In fact, the Bible says in the last days, it says that sin will abound, but how much more will the grace and the glory of God abound in the last days? So what does that mean? Even though things are getting darker, God says, I've got an answer. I've got something to respond to it. There is grace available, empowerment for you to live in this day and in this age. In fact, for that matter, the Bible says that he leaves the best for the last. So you are the end time runners that are living in this day and age. It's not by chance. It's not by accident. God knew that you had the stuff. You had the goods. You had the fortitude. You got the guts to do what needs to be done in this hour. And rather than looking at the times that are uh, upon us and saying, oh, God, we can say, whoo, 
Jesus is coming soon. You know, you talk about that and people say, well, you know, you got to be careful talking about that. You might get people's hopes up. That's the whole reason. Jesus is coming. Now, again, this is a whole other side story, but the Bible actually says that prophetically speaking, Jesus is coming in our lifetime. Man, I've got my running shoes. I'm taking some jumps off the house. Just kind of getting used to it. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> are you hearing me this morning? The times are coming to an end. But God said, as dark as things are getting, he says, I am making power available to you, the church. Amen? Notice what it said. Their hearts fail them because of their expectation of things to come. Do you know what the word expectation really means? It means faith. So in other words... People are having faith and believing the worst. And the more that they believe the worst, the more they experience it in their life. But God said this, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't take any anxious thoughts saying, what are we going to do? Remember what my wife said last week? Your thoughts can take you captive. How do your thoughts take you captive? How does fear overwhelm you? You start taking anxious thought by saying. The more you talk about how bad it is, the bigger it will become in your eyes. Oh, dear God, the school systems, you just don't know. I'm scared. Listen, we are in bad times right now. But you know what? Every morning we go to school, as we're driving our kids to school, we say, thank you. We plead the blood of Jesus over our children and over our school system. And so there will not be any harm that comes near our children. In fact, the whole school is protected because my kids are there in that school. Angels are watching over our children. God's got his hand upon these teachers. They're giving them wisdom. Our school is a school that has an environment that kids can learn and desire to learn because of the peace of God that is ruling in that school. Amen? So what am I doing? I'm choosing to use my faith to trust God in the midst of the circumstance rather than looking at all the things round about me because God said that when times are bad, times are dark, and times are hard, I've made power available. So don't get into fear. Don't let it consume you. Don't let it define you. Trust me in the midst of it. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All the people that are getting so scared. Hope is expectation. Things hoped for or expected. They haven't seen it yet. But they're expecting it. God says. Even though you see it. Expect that I'm there. Expect that I'm in the middle of what's going on. Can you say amen? Philippians chapter 4 verses 5. Through seven, it says, let your gentleness be known among all men that the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with all, uh, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I think I'm running out of time, so let me just give you these last points here. 
How is it that I purpose? How is it that I purpose to trust God and not let the F-bombs consume my life? How is it that I don't let fear consume my thoughts, consume my life, consume the direction that I live? Hebrews chapter 13 says this, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Then it goes on to say, What can men do to me? Listen, when you know that God's got your back, you can be bold. Anybody know who John Hagee is? Some of you may know who he is. There is the story years ago where he was ministering and a deranged man come walking into the back of his church, had a gun in hand. I don't know exactly the whole story, but he pulls the gun and Pastor Hagee says, Jesus' name, not so. And you can actually hear the recording. He unloads the gun, and not a single bullet hit him. Why? Because in the midst of fear, whom shall I fear? For what can men do to me? What do I do in the midst of those circumstances? Number one, I have to purpose to stir up my understanding that I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. And as much as I love my kids, God loves my kids even more than I do. So if I'm a loving parent that wants to protect my children, how much more my heavenly father? Number two, I refuse to worry and have anxious thought. It's a conscious decision. Number three, I have to talk to God. In the midst of talking to God, just be real with God. God, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm anxious. And then cast your cares upon Him. God, I'm not going to carry this. I'm going to give it to you. Communicate with Him. Number four, thank God for the answered request. God, I thank You that You are protecting me. Thank You that You've made a way of escape. Thank You that everything's going to be all right. Number five, refuse to fear and choose to embrace peace. Amen? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord in your school systems. Jesus is Lord in the workplace. Jesus is Lord in the marketplace. Jesus is Lord in your marriage, in your home. Jesus is Lord driving down the expressway. Whom shall I fear? Even though things are going on round about me. I choose not to be anxious or fear. Because even though sin abounds, how much more does the grace or the power of God abound to make me free from fear? Let's stand. Amen. Amen. Praise God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to identify the thing that has been giving you anxiety and giving you fear, giving you worry and strife. Put a name on it. Put a face on it. 
You know the situation, the circumstance. Put it on notice today. Be bold enough to talk to it and say, I'm not afraid of you. This too shall pass. I'll get through and get over. And I choose to live my life. I choose not to merely exist, but I choose to live life. And God, you said I'll have peace in the midst of the storm. So God, I'm thanking you that my mind is free from worry. My mouth is guarded from anxious thoughts and talk. And I choose to walk in peace. So Father, right now, as each and every one of us have identified some area that is causing us to fear, is causing us torment, that is causing us issues. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over those right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you right now that we're coming out and coming over. We're not defined by them because we're children of God. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. And so, Father, right now, that has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So, God, we're picking ourselves up and we're moving forward. And we're not going to give that another thought. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life